What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. So the idea that we are discussing is atheism versus creationism. And I actually have to give props to Leah for taking that debate because normally people do not defend atheism per se. They are more of a skeptic of any specific claim of creationism. And um, then it, typically evolution. So I do want to cover that very quickly. Creationism versus evolutionism is a false dichotomy. So if evolution were true, that in no way substantiates that there is an intelligent agency that set it up. In fact, uh, for there to be an intrinsic or innate property of an organism to quote-unquote adapt and change, that means that information was built into it. So evolution would actually be proof of creationism. So it's a false dichotomy and somewhat ironic, but that is not what this is about. So I do want to start with a quote from Werner Heisenberg. Uh, he's the winner of the 1932 Nobel Prize in Physics for the creation of quantum mechanics. And he said, the first gulp from the glass of natural sciences will turn you into an atheist. But at the bottom of the glass, God is waiting for you. I find that to be pretty profound, although I disagree that natural science would ever substantiate atheism. Okay, one more quote, and then we'll get into some more specifics, but this is kind of the meta of the debate as I see it. So Nobel laureate George Wald, which most people have heard of, of course, Origin of Life. He said, when it comes to the origin of life, we have only two possibilities as to how life arose. One is spontaneous generation arising to evolution. The other is supernatural creative act of God. There is no third possibility. So there, if we were to agree with him, that's, some, that's a summary of the entire debate, basically. Is there uh, viability in the idea of spontaneous generation arising to evolution? Of course, he did go on to say spontaneous generation was scientifically disproven 100 years ago by Louis Pasteur and others. That leads us scientifically to only one possible conclusion, that life arose as a supernatural creative act of God. I will not accept that philosophically because I do not want to believe in God. Therefore, I choose to believe in that which I know is scientifically impossible, spontaneous generation rising to evolution. Okay, so... and. Obviously, we can all see that that's not, an, not a very intelligent way to go about this discussion is to just deny evidence because of philosophical bias. So what we have to figure out is which one of these two options are viable or correct. And so basically, it's the idea that you have nature that's unguided, that is the result of everything that we see, and then you have intelligent agency or God, a guided creation, right? So... If you are to say that uh, it's just unguided nature that caused everything, basically the philosophy of naturalism or realism, uh, it can be debunked right from the jump because um, the matter cannot create itself because that would mean it would have to exist prior to its existence. Okay, so that, that right there debunks the entire thing. 
Um, and then we can go further into the specifics, and I'll save some of them for the debate, but I'll kind of run through some of the things here. So we have the logical evidence, the antecedents for what we see, the natural order in the world. You can go all the way down to physics, just that things seek equilibrium. You can look at the uh, laws of thermodynamics. If no matter can be created nor destroyed, then how is it that matter is actually here in the first place to allegedly create everything else? So the idea of atheism just defies physics. Um, also, is morality subjective or objective? And that's not what this debate's about. I'll wait for him to take a stance, but obviously objective morality or linear code of ethics requires intention. So you must claim subjective morality to be an atheist, although I've heard people not do that. Also, information built into DNA. There is no way to have information without an intelligent agent. No one can name any example of it ever other than to beg the question, and that's what atheism does. It claims Oh, but this is the anomaly. This is the exception with everything, every single thing. Um, also, if what exists beyond the material world is the answer. Nothing, nothing cannot exist. And of course, if there is a metaphysical matter itself is not the primary causal agent of all things that we see. And we covered that evolution would in fact be evidence of a creation. Um, I'm not sure where I'm at on time, but I will say this. The Big Bang is typically posited as some type of viable alternative to intelligent agency. But of course, the person that proposed that invoked an ever-existing or pre-existing energy, um, which is ironic. And then there are many problems with the idea of Big Bang cosmology. And those that are familiar with me know I don't believe in mainstream cosmology because it's pseudoscientific reification fallacies, but if I were to yield to them at all, um, the idea that there's constantly a loss of energy in the universe would mean that there is a beginning. There cannot be an infinite supply of energy coming from nowhere and then it running out over time and then it still uh, have no beginning. It's a contradiction. So. I, I don't know the specifics of his position, so it's hard to debate with specificity until we get into it. But basically, in conclusion, um, you either have naturalism, realism, unguided, or you have guided intellectual or uh, intelligent design, intelligent agency. All right, and that's void of any specific interpretation or religion. So uh, that's about it. Yeah, just the logical antecedent to what we see as order is, in fact, creationism or creator. Thank you very much for that opening, Austin. We're going to kick it over to Leo. <clears throat> Alrighty, so I'm here to defend atheism in this debate, but that would be quite difficult to do because atheism is really just nothing more than either disbelief or lack of belief in the existence of gods. It, it, not, it doesn't and it's not designed to tell us anything about the world or how the world works. It's just a particular doxastic belief state, belief position that people can have. So. I will take the position of naturalism, which is given as subsuming atheism, where naturalism is broadly the belief that the natural physical world that we inhabit, the laws, the mechanisms, and everything that are a part of it, is all which exists, and there is nothing beyond that. So I'm going to be working from that position. Within naturalism, there is another feature known as methodological naturalism. This isn't really a philosophical position the way that naturalism is. This is more of a methodology. Methodological naturalism is really just, and this is a bit simplistic, but it's kind of just a fancy term for modern science, where modern science assumes, it doesn't say there can't be, but it assumes that there isn't anything but the world that we inhabit, and we're going to study that. So 
With methodological naturalism and with naturalism broadly, we can explain features of our reality. One thing I've noticed is creationism doesn't really ever seem to do that. We have mechanisms like electromagnetism, gravity, and the strong and weak nuclear forces, the fundamental forces of nature that are very, very well theoretically described that we can use to explain the features of our world, like why we have a solar system, how stars form, the processes, the nuclear processes that go on inside of stars that sustain them. These can be explained through the mechanisms and the natural laws that we have in reality. And we do have natural laws. I don't know how creationists arrive at the idea of an intelligent designer from the mechanisms that we have or from the laws that we have. We also have something known as causation that we can use to make a variety of inferences about how our world works. These methods describe the world around us. Do we have everything figured out? No, we're humans. We've been around in the state that we exist in now for about 200, maybe 300,000 years. We don't know everything. We shouldn't be expected to know everything. We are still a relatively primitive species in the long, in the big picture. So there are really three areas that creationists point to specifically with respect to naturalism or atheism not being able to explain anything. And Austin did, in fact, touch on at least two of those, the origins of life and the origins of the universe, which are two. And then the third one is usually the origins of consciousness, higher order consciousness like what we have. So those are probably a lot of the areas that we'll focus on in our discussion. But another thing is creationism is ill-defined. I've asked a variety of creationists what creationism is, and I get pretty different answers each time. Ill-defined ideals, I think, tend to perform poorly at explaining features of our reality because they don't have a good foundation that sets their methods and the processes through which they're going to go about explaining features of our reality and describing the things that are going on around us. So for me, creationism doesn't really seem to have a method like naturalism does. There is no methodological creationism or methodological theism that I know of. Naturalism has defined methods for explaining things, and I've already touched on that with methodological naturalism and science, which takes a naturalist approach when looking at the world around us. And finally, I'd like to say that creationism also appears superfluous, unnecessary. It doesn't seem to do anything for us. We've developed electricity, we've developed coal, gasoline, we're now looking into various forms of nuclear and hydrogen fuel cell energy production. That was all done through methodological naturalism, through an understanding of the world around us, how it works, and how we can manipulate it in ways that make our lives better. Where has creationism done that? When has creationism delivered technology that we can use to improve our lives and our abilities to survive in this very, very hostile universe, which seems a little weird if it was all designed for us when 99.9999999% of it is hostile to any form of life that we currently know of. So creationism doesn't tell us what the world would look like if it were created versus what it would look like if it were uncreated. 
there doesn't seem to be a distinction given there such that we can look out and test and see whether or not the world was created by an intelligence or whether it was not created by intelligence. And so in conclusion for me, creationism, this might be a bit strong, but for me creationism is just useless. It doesn't do anything for us. It seems to be a superfluous, ill-defined ideology pushed by people who still hold to ideas that have long been abandoned by the men and the women that have carried society forward and that have improved our lives. And I'll conclude there. Thank you. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for those opening statements. We'll kick it into the open dialogue. The floor is all yours. Okay. So how is... How are scientific methodologies or knowledge or typically theories of how things work, how is that exclusive to atheism? Well, I don't think it is exclusive to atheism. There are a lot of scientists out there who are Christian and Hindu and Muslim. I just don't think that when they do science, so to speak, that they tend to bring that into science because they understand the purpose of science isn't to show that religion is true. The purpose of science is to explain the things that happen around us in the world that we inhabit. Right, so it's, it's actually not exclusive to atheism. I don't think so, no. Right, so that was most of your opener was when we take this approach, right, methodological naturalism, we're able to explain things. The explanation, the explanatory power is not exclusive to atheism at all. Whether you are an atheist or a creationist, you use the scientific method to understand the world around you. So the explanatory method of methodological naturalism, as if some type of superior framework, is a false, it's a false comparison, right? Because I think it is superior to at least creationism, which I don't think has defined methodologies through which we can understand the world. But frameworks to interpret the natural world exist whether or not you adopt atheism or creationism. So it's actually atheism a non theism, but as I pointed out, creationism, I mean, if you want to tell me what that is or maybe outline some methods that it uses to explain things in the world. Okay, but just to get to, the, to address the point, the fact that we use frameworks to explain things in the world is not exclusive in any way to atheism. It's, not, it's a non sequitur. Atheism is just... Well, for me, the belief that God does not exist, but for many others, just lacking the belief that, that God exists. So disbelief or lack of belief in the existence of God. Yeah, right. I don't think there's... I know atheists that are anti-vaxxers. I know atheists that reject areas of science all the time. I mean, you're Based. correct. Science is not exclusive to any worldview, but what I was doing in my opening was juxtaposing naturalism, because atheism doesn't explain things because it's not designed to, naturalism with creationism and showing that naturalism is just superior in explaining the features of our world than creation. It can't be superior when the argument was about explanatory power. That, that's what I'm trying to explain to you. It's a non sequitur to say, oh, well, look, we have these methods to study the natural world. What does creationism have? Well, the actual discussion is prior to the natural world that can be studied and attempted to be explained, who has the better explanatory power there? What do you and, mean by prior to? Yeah, prior. So that's where we need to get into what you specifically believe. Are you talking about, about like before the universe? Well, that's that would be what whether or not you believe that the universe is eternal or it had a beginning. Well, I don't know what before the universe would mean. That would to me that's like saying north of the North Pole. It, I just, I don't know what that means. I don't so know you, what it means. Right. And but real fast to conclude the first point, your primary argument in your opener is that 
you have explanatory power with natural methodologies, and that is actually a and non- the creationism does not. Has creationism, no that's not what creationism is about. Cre- creationism isn't trying to explain things. Not when it comes to studying the natural world, right? So, if so you, then what use does it have to us? All right, all right, because the, ne- the necessary antecedent to order is intention, right? So it, What's it, the argument for that? Okay, can you present something that's specifically ordered? Well, that's a question, not an argument. You made that claim. What, all, what's the argument? The argument for? is that all evidence ever shows us that specific intention, order, and information requires intelligent agency. So then how do chemists get order in labs with just by leaving things do their That's their evidence own? of creation. The fact that the actual material and information is already built in is evidence for creation. Well, creationism. it would already be built into the universe as well, I, as far as we can tell. Built in? But there, you have no, you can't invoke any building. That's the point. But what? Let's, let's just make sure. Do you think the universe is eternal? Or I don't it, know whether it's eternal or not. Do you I understand? Just don't know. You understand? It's a very pivotal aspect as to your yeah, ontology. A lot of cosmologists are looking into whether the universe is eternal or not, or if it even makes sense to talk. For me, what I would say is that the universe, to quote Carl Sagan, the universe just is. That's profound. And that's all. The profundity, man, well, it's going to help us progress so much intellectually to just tap out of the questions. I don't think that's tapping out. That's, well, that was Carl Sagan's opinion. I'm just saying that I happen to agree with him. But, but you are tapping out because I'm asking you, do you think there's a beginning or not? I mean, this I is one know. of the oldest questions ever in this conversation. It's like putting a jar in front of me with uh, 5,000 M&Ms in it. Some are green and some are blue and some are red and saying, do you think there are more blue M&Ms in there? I don't know. That's not tapping out of figuring out how many of each M&M there is. It's just saying, I don't know okay, how many do you agree, color is in there. Do you agree if there's a beginning, then there was something that came before it? Probably. I don't know if that would be true in any sense that I would understand before, but probably, yeah. If there's a beginning, then there was a time before that. There's something not, before. Not necessarily. There could be a beginning in a tenseless sense where the universe stretches, say, infinitely in one direction and is bounded at the other end, but there's just nothing before that boundary. Nothing doesn't yeah. exist, but this is the paradox Well, by of, nothing, I don't mean a thing that does exist that is called nothing. I mean not anything at all. Right, which is just not, that, that's just a yeah, conceptual privation. It's a conceptual privation. There isn't anything. All right, gentlemen, this is what I need you to address, okay? You have to determine whether or not there is a beginning to formulate your ontology about atheism. It's just a requirement. Atheism doesn't matter what it doesn't matter for it, atheists whether the universe has a beginning or not. in I fact say most atheists don't care probably whether in fact atheism cannot coexist with the claim that there is a beginning why not because we just discussed that means something comes before it so well, i explained how that's not necessarily true you, just by saying it though basically asserting it so well you haven't shown how that state's wrong now you know that we act yeah because you just basically asserted it okay but well, if you want me to give an argument i can that is the point of the I mean, I kind of did that you could have say, and this is even, even William Lane Craig. William Lane Craig acknowledges that, that this could be a possibility. He doesn't accept it, but he says, imagine you had a meter stick that extended infinitely in one direction, but still, quote unquote, started. Its beginning was at the first inch. So it's extended infinitely in one direction, but still has that boundary. And there just may not be anything before that boundary. Okay. That is not, there's nothing logically incoherent about that that's not there's nothing metaphysically incoherent about that so that's an entirely possible um that's entirely possible so I that don't the see universe we're began. having a beginning 
necessitates there having to be something before that. I'd have to see an argument. So it spontaneously began that, from... That presumes some sort of tense notion of time. I don't hold to a tense or an atheoretic notion of time where the present moment is all that exists and the future does not exist and the past does not exist and things literally come into being. I don't hold to that. I don't know what it would mean for something to literally come into existence. I think that things exist. And I mean this respectfully. I mean, this is the thing. Atheism is an ontology of shucking and jiving. It's literally just like, it is a creative way to try to avoid the questions. Because... What makes you think that? Because your entire premise was, oh, look, we can study the natural world as if to pin creationism versus science when it's a non sequitur. So I was juxtaposing creationism and naturalism, arguing that science better supports the naturalist position than... But that is, that's the debate. And okay, so we would have to get into specifics of that. Well, let's just talk about that then, because we're not getting anywhere with the beginning. You know that I disagree with you on cosmology, but if I yield to you the mainstream cosmology, which you also seem to say, well, creationists think different things. That isn't, that doesn't mean anything. When it comes to, say, your universal model, uh, there's a thousand different theories about just about every phenomena. The fact that there's different interpretations or theories doesn't actually undermine the validity of the, the overall ontology, right? Because then it would apply equally to you. Well, our theories about what exists don't bear on what exists. You're right there. I mean, I would agree with that. So you agree the argument that, well, so many creationists think different things is not really relevant, but they really don't. Creationism is very simple. This is why I didn't debate Christianity. I didn't debate religion because then people get to go through the weeds and start misinterpreting scripture and stuff. Creationism is that there was intelligent design, that mm-hmm. the necessary antecedent to the order and information that we objectively observe, right, that is intelligent agency. That's what creationism is. So there's no, there's no other version of creationism. Creationism is the antecedent to the order and information we observe here. The antecedent to this natural world is intelligent agency. Whereas naturalism is, so that's guided, and naturalism is unguided, right? Basically that material created itself. How do you, when you say unguided, I'm assuming you mean not directed by an intelligence. Correct. Okay, because in a sense, the natural world is guided. It's guided by the laws and the mechanisms that exist within it. And laws require lawmakers. In fact, that's what I What's said. What's the argument for that? Because this is, this, this, all the arguments come down to the same thing. Everything that we can observe or ever experience shows us that this is the antecedent to information, laws, order, whatever. What do you think? Atheism claims the anomaly in each scenario. It says, oh, but no, but atheism is the anomaly. So, yeah, when we see laws, someone had to write it. When we see a painting, someone had to paint it. When we see order, someone had to intentionally place that order. But not when it comes to the universe. Atheism's the anomaly. And just a cop out. What do you think a natural law is? Uh, it's, it's, it's something that we observe and happens every time as far as we can tell. It has nothing to do with theory, nothing to do with man. It's just an observation. It's an empirical observation in which we describe and record, and it happens all the time. The laws of thermodynamics do not aid atheism. It does quite the opposite, right? I don't think it aids either theism or atheism. I think that um, specifically, specifically that thermodynamics, just thermodynamics, that doesn't okay. bear... I, I, I would raise an eyebrow to an atheist who tried to argue that thermodynamics supports atheism. I would probably draw an eyebrow to a theist who tried to argue that it supports theism. I think it's just natural laws don't say anything about atheism or theism. They, they're not, they, they're, they're just 
there's, there's debate amongst physicists, particularly philosophers of physics, as to what natural laws are. I'm partial to David Lewis. He has what he calls the, um, the oh God, package deal account, which is sort of carrying on um, David Lewis's, um, what did he call his, the, the best systems account? And then John Roberts has one that he calls the measurability account of laws. I'm, I'm, I like that one too. I don't really have, um, I'm not committed to any view with what natural laws are, but I would say that natural laws are just regularities in physical reality. They weren't put there by anything. They're just descriptive aspects of the natural world that we inhabit. That's, That's correct. Just yeah. sort of. Yeah, it's not scientific theories or anything like yeah, that. No, it's scientific just... theories use laws That's when right. we develop broader descriptions of how, how the world plays out. So and of course, and, and it's always just assumed and unspoken that it's relative to our limitation of understanding at the time, right? But yes, huh? it's, it's every, every law or anything in science or anything regarding the natural world, it's always unspoken that that's relative to our limited understanding at the time. Like right our now- understanding of it is, yes, yeah. of course. Like, you know, there's a reason why 1500 years ago we didn't have electricity. We didn't understand right. the world around us well enough to, to develop that until we started building ideas and Thank finding you. different phenomena. Thank you. Um, to be able to say, hey, there's, there's something here. Let's try to figure it out. And, yeah. And I mean, like I would Faraday argue, I would people, argue there was people before him, electricity but. and magnetism still not understood by mainstream physics. But real fast, though, I just want to make sure that we're on the same page here, right? So you are taking a naturalist philosophy, right? Yes, so, I am a naturalist. Okay, so that means that the creator, the, the replacement of that is matter itself. Matter. I don't think there is. A re there is no creator of right. any kind at all. It's the mat. It's the replacement for the idea of creator. I don't think there's a replacement. I think there is is no creator. There's nothing okay. that replaces an intelligent. I think that there is a universe. That's it. Okay. At and least every, everything at this comes. Point, well, that's all we can say. Everything comes from matter. No. Matter or energy. Comes from I. That language yeah. confuses me. I'm not quite sure what you mean. Is derived I mean. from. What, everything, what? everything is derived from yeah, like a materialist. I would say everything is natural. Okay, like materialism as a philosophy says that well, everything. I'm a naturalist. I don't. I wouldn't call myself a materialist. Well, I, that's what I'm asking you the specifics because when you say that you're a naturalist, that's void of specificity. You need to stake a specific claim, right? If it's materialism, the this... natural world is all which exists. The physical world that we inhabit, that we observe, that we can describe, define, and understand that is as a, a system. Yeah. That that is all that there is. There is nothing beyond or outside of that because again beyond the universe outside of the universe to me is like saying north of the north pole it just it is semantically incoherent to me okay so there's so much here we have to kind of abuse it right so i'm trying to boil it down that basically you think everything is the summation of all things is this material perceivable world whether that be matter or energy that's what naturalism is Okay, so... I can agree with that for oh, the sake of the argument. That's what it is, right? So, so now we could get into, obviously, the fact that we're even having this discussion and utilizing logic or philosophical parameters is evidence that that's not true, but you would disagree, certainly. You would say that it's synopsis I mean, in, the, in the gray matter of your brain. as was logic. These are abstract conventions that, sure. that, we, have, sure. that we have developed. Okay, but let's get back to the, sec the, the laws of thermodynamics. What's the first law? I actually, I think the first law... Is that matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed? Correct. Sort of that reality is like. So we've already hit a conundrum for the atheist or for naturalists. Oh, that a conundrum? Okay, <laughs> so matter cannot be created nor destroyed, so it was thus ever existent. 
That's the I only thing you can say. That. We don't know prior to reheating, the reheating period, big, the Big Bang period. I call it the reheating period because I just don't like the language of Big Bang. Um, we don't, the only, we can go to about 10 to the negative 30 second seconds and everything that we could possibly know, given what we currently know, stops. The laws of thermodynamics might not apply there. There might be more of them. There might be less of them. We do not know. We do not have the physics to understand those things, primarily because we don't have a quantum theory of gravity. And we're not even sure how much that will help us with respect to trying to understand inflation. We might not really ever understand a lot about inflation because his PhD theoretical astrophysicist Ethan Siegel has pointed out, um, and he writes, he's got a blog, starts with a bang and writes for Big Think, that inflation pretty much destroys any evidence of like what it is and how it happened, at least as far as we can tell, as a result of the process that plays out. We very possibly may not really ever pin down what inflation is and how it happened. Yeah, so that, and the ironic part is, that is a religion. The idea that, well, every time... How is that worshipping a deity? Because yeah, one of the well, primary well, well, aspects well, well, of a religion is out, the bro. worshipping of a deity. Chill out, bro. A belief system built upon the doctrine of men void of empirical evidence. It requires faith. You, you what have, do you mean by faith in this? In you this have context? faith that something what called... What do you mean by faith in this? Don't just use the word again. Define the term, because you're probably using it differently than I would. Okay, you believe in something... Well, belief is not the same as faith. Belief void of empirical, yeah, but you're interrupting a lot. Void of actual verification, okay? So that's what you can call faith. Your actions speak as to whether or not you, you have faith because you are speaking of this idea as if it's fact. And you keep, we keep stimming away, and I think it's because you just realize that even just with the first law, and we're just getting started, you have a problem, okay? You said you don't know if there's a beginning or not. But then we, we had to break down naturalism is, of course, you're, you're limited to the material world. Nothing exists outside of that, okay? So therefore, if there is no beginning, or it's like that the actual logical problem you have is if matter cannot be created nor destroyed, okay? But everything comes from matter, or material existence is the limitation of all things, now you have to invoke eternal, like eternality, basically. Or that's not I don't word. think so. I already explained how you don't. The laws of physics you didn't. might be different. Okay. In periods where we don't know anything about what physics does or what we can use physics to describe right. in those areas. So atheism Perfectly is basically... coherent answer. It's just whataboutism. No. Whataboutism what? would me be like going, well, what about this? I didn't do that. Y y well, you're, well, basically what you're doing is constantly just saying we don't know. So it's a, it's a bunch of... Yeah, because we don't. It's so just the honest it's a, answer. It's a pills, we don't know. And it's I a pills say we because nobody in this room does. The cosmologists don't. The physicists don't. The chemists don't. The philosophers of physics don't. We do not know. That is just genuinely the truth. Okay. We don't know. It's an appeal to incredulity. Now, the reality of the situation is... is what? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just saying that since we, we don't know, somehow atheism is still vile. But this is what is so that funny. That the argument I did. It is. You said, I don't know, ten times. Yeah, but this I is what... I don't know, but I didn't... That, that's what atheists do. That I said that atheists cop out. whether atheism is true. You just cop we out. We don't know and theism could be true. Uh, okay, but I'm saying that what atheists do is they claim science as if it's exclusive to them. You did that in your opener. I don't they, know any... Well, I know a couple that might do that, but... You did it in the opener. You pinned creationism versus science. Atheism. I defended naturalism, which subsumes atheism. Okay, okay. So you pinned creationism versus science, right? No. You, I juxtaposed naturalism and creationism for the third time. I did not but say when science. You, when you expanded upon it... Right, you begin to use methodologies we use to observe and interpret the natural world as if, as if 
it is actually advantageous to atheism or naturalism as the subcategory. That isn't true. I we already covered is. that. We already covered that isn't true, and then you conceded, right? I don't think so that you showed that's not true, but so sure. now, okay. So this is, is now you're walking that back, right? So because that was the first thing I pointed out was that that's not exclusive. All of those methodologies to interpret the natural world can obviously exist, and creationism be true. It's non sequitur. I don't think that. I don't think so. No. Okay. So and, the, and not with what the claims that creationism makes particularly with respect to biology and chemistry, I don't think what we see in the world could be true and creationism also be true. In fact, I would argue that you could structure it logically and show logically that that's, that no, that that's just a contradiction. Uh, no, no, the way that we study the natural world is not in any way exclusive to an ontological interpretation of atheism or creationism. It's ridiculous to suggest that it is, but, what but, do you it's, mean but this, is why, this is why most people don't debate atheism per se, right? Because it's just a skeptical position. It's just like, oh, well, no, I don't buy that. I don't like that. Oh, we don't know. We don't know. And that's a very convenient position, but you have to stake specific things to have any logical consistency, such as, is there a beginning? Is there a beginning or did it eternally exist? I don't know. So basically, you have no intellectual position to even give input in the conversation of creationism because you're just sitting back saying, well, I don't know. You're not even addressing the logical antecedents. Like, I can't even get, progress in the conversation with you because you won't stake any positions. That's what atheists yeah, do. Yeah, I'm not going to hold or take a position that I don't hold to. That's, that's called dishonesty when you do that. When you take a, unless you're like in a debate class for college or something, and they give you a position to defend, but it's not something. Barring that, to take a position that you don't genuinely believe in seems dishonest to me. I'm not going to do that. I'm not a dishonest I'm not asking, person. I'm not asking you to do that. What I'm saying is that your... You're claiming I've done that. Your worldview requires you do that. Your world, no, no I, mean, I mean, it requires you not answer any questions effectively. It, it's just like... How does it do It's that? just a position of ignorance. You're making a lot of claims without really... No, it's recorded, my brother. Every time I ask you a question, you say, I don't know. Saying it's recorded isn't showing how what you're saying is true. I'm trying to explain it, explain it to you. You interrupt a lot. but like Yeah, the, because you keep going off on things that aren't relevant to what I've said or the positions that I've defended. But they are, though. So you've actually how? walked back. You've walked. I keep asking you how. What does oh, this mean? Man. What does that mean? And then you don't explain it. Well, and it's you, just hard to have a discussion. When someone interrupts you, yes. Because so, somebody else isn't explaining things. Yeah. Okay, dude. So... Obviously, what happened was you pinned the idea of science <laughs> against creationism, and you tried to do it. I did not do that. Okay, okay, but once it was pointed naturalism out, naturalism versus creationism. Okay, well. and but then I showed that science better supports naturalism because you know we have a methodological naturalism. We don't have a methodological creationism. Okay, I wonder why. Okay, so when it comes to the actual question on the table, right, which is, is there a beginning? What happened before? What's the antecedent for the things that we see, the intrinsic order or the information? Atheist says, I don't know. We don't have to pretend, we don't have to pretend that they don't. The, the truth is that everything we observe in the natural world, we have many different methodologies. We have different, many different theories and interpretive frameworks. All that's cool, not exclusive in any way to atheism or creationism. It's a, non, it's a non sequitur. It, it's it a, excludes creationism it, specifically. No, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't. So, like, for, for example, like information, right? Every observation we can ever make have any access to information requires intelligent agency. What's Every, the argument for that? I just said it. You, you know, you said what we observe shows that. That's a claim. What is the argument that supports that claim? All, listen. All observable Repeating phenomena. Repeating claim, not giving an argument. Okay, okay, so if I have a book, it has information in it, someone wrote it. Mm -hmm. What kind of information does it have? 
information is not one thing. There's a variety of different kinds. Of Can you name one that doesn't require intelligent agency without begging the question? I have no idea. I'm not an okay. information theorist. I don't really know a lot about yeah. that. I'm not going to make claims about something I'm not really comfortable making. And making that's what I'm saying. Like, like I, I could flip over and be the world's best atheist, bro. Like, it's not difficult. It's just, it's just exercising immense skepticism and then avoiding any type of claims which is your own prerogative, but it certainly doesn't hold any ontological superiority or anything. And what I'm trying to point out is that we know that our actual existence, DNA itself, is very intricately and meticulously organized information. So you agree with that? Are you sure about that? See, so, okay. DNA is pretty chaotic with how it is a lot of mistakes that happen. Is it information? Of sorts, yeah. Okay, so our genetic code is information. Of sorts, yeah. Okay, let me just read this quote here. So, uh, DNA has two types of digital information, the genes that encode proteins, which are molecular machines of life, and the gene regulatory networks that specify the behavior of the genes. The digital code of DNA, right? Nature article by Hood. Mm -hmm. So we agree with that. Yes. Okay. Scientists often use somewhat flowery language. I mean, I don't disagree with anything that was said there, but I would argue that some of the language is a bit flowery because most people, no offense, except for maybe a friend of mine who has a degree in biochemistry, really understand a lot of those intricacies of advanced biochemistry without going through the requisite training. And so a lot of scientists, this happens in physics, chemistry, biology, a lot of fields, kind of, I don't like wording it this way, but dumbing it down for a lay audience. Okay. So they use flowery language and stuff like that, but... That's not what that was. So, and then here's another quote. I think there was a little we're, bit. We're going to have to get to, we got to get to some middle ground so we can progress the conversation. Okay, so. The genetic code performs a mapping between the sequences of the four nucleotides in the mRNA to the sequences of the 20 amino acids in protein. It is highly relevant to the origin of life that the genetic code is constructed to confront and solve the problems of communication and recording by the same principles found both in genetic information system and in modern computer and communication codes. Do you disagree in the problems of computational molecular biology, computer um, chemistry? I do disagree with some of that. I can. I have a quote. It might take me. So you, I mean, you can speak because it might take me. Okay. A and then one more. I want to point out. This. Sure. So one more. Right. There's enough storage capacity in the DNA of a single lily seed or a single salamander sperm to store the Encyclopedia Britannica 60 times over. Some species of the unjustly called primitive amoebas have as much information in their DNA as 1,000 Encyclopedia Britannicas, and that's Richard Dawkins. So that's a lot of meticulous information, okay? And so now we need to, now your argument has to, it's rendered useless unless you say, oh, well, information doesn't require intention, right? Information doesn't require intelligent agency. And you're going to have to su supply some type of evidence of that because <clears throat> everything we observe says that that's, exactly what it requires well i think it just depends because i know there's a variety there's like shannon information there's a variety of other kinds of information other people in here might be able to mention i don't know because i don't do like computation and information theory i know very very little about that stuff but information is not a univocal term so what do you mean by information that's that's really what what i'm going to need to know a code, a software, and an ordered and organized delivery system. I feel like those are examples of information, but not a definition of information. Well, you, we all understand information, right? It's, it's actual like coding of, a, it's a coded delivery system, and, and that is the definition of it. It's not examples of it, it's code. 
right? It's coded or ordered specific um, delivery, right? That you, you are saying that, sure, every example we observe requires, and it always leads back to intelligent agency, but not with, not with existence. It's the anomaly. And you're like, oh, how so? I don't know. And this is what happens every time. And honestly, modern cosmology does the same thing. It claims anomalous physics as soon as they don't know answers, right? And so I'm just going to say we agree that DNA is obviously information. Of sorts, yes. Okay, and so there's a genetic code. And you're suggesting that this DNA there spontaneously arised without any no. type of intention. I don't know how DNA arose. I don't study that. Um, there's people here that are probably more qualified in the origins of life than I am. But what I do know, shouldn't say no, what, I've, what I understand based on what I've read in Origins of Life research is that most people in it do not think DNA came about until, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred thousand years after like the first forms of proto-life or the first organic replicating chemicals. Or like, DNA was not there. By the way, I did find the, the quote that I was looking for. Um, I don't remember what paper this is from. I can figure that out here very quickly. This is from Self-Sustained Replication of an RNA Enzyme. Tracy Lincoln and Gerald Joyce, both of which, as I understand, are titans in the origin of li origins of life research. Quote, an RNA enzyme that catalyzes the RNA-templated joining of RNA was converted to a format whereby two enzymes catalyze each other's synthesis from a total of four component substrates. These cross-replicating RNA enzymes were optimized so that they can undergo self-sustained exponential amplification at a constant temperature and in the absence of proteins or other biological materials, and quote, and then I also have this one here that comes from the that publications of the National Academies of Sciences, and this one is by David Horning and Gerald Joyce. Quote, the improved polymerase ribozyme is able to synthesize a variety of complex structured RNAs, including aptamers, ribozymes, and in low yield, even tRNA, transfer ribonucleic acids. Furthermore, the polymerase can replicate nucleic acids, amplifying short RNA templates by more than 10,000-fold in an RNA-catalyzed form of the PCR, polymerase chain reaction. Thus, the two prerequisites of Darwinian life, the replication of genetic information and its conversion into functional molecules, can now be accomplished with RNA in the complete absence of proteins. Nonsense. So where you're saying you need DNA and you need proteins, no, you don't. We have literal research showing that no, you don't. So that's when I say why I, I was you need DNA up. and protein. Now that was a non sequitur. It it actually begins with the information that we're actually supposed to be discussing. I still so don't know what repli you mean by information. replication of information. You just agreed that the genetic code is information. You're going to talk I about did. certain natural oh, processes. Sorts, certain. I don't know what you mean by the word. They certain natural processes. Certain natural processes can replicate it. You just invoked it. But this is the actual my primary point, right? And that is that naturalism says that the material world is all that exists. Everything must derive basically from matter and energy. Everything is either matter or energy or a different form of it. No, no matter can be created nor destroyed. It can only be transferred, right? So no matter or energy can be created nor destroyed. First law of second law, first law of thermodynamics. And then you have that your belief is that everything is either matter or energy, some version of, and it can only change form. So that's, is that an accurate representation of your position? Well, I hold to the concept of an emergence, much like uh, physicist, theoretical physicist Sean Carroll. So I don't know if I would say that it's just matter and energy. I think that there are some higher order structures and processes and functions that may exist. Are those going to be, um, are those going to supervene on matter and energy? 
Probably, yeah. Supervenience is a notion in philosophy usually given um, as a type of relation where x supervenes on y if some change in x necessitates some change in y. Okay, so the actual point I'm trying to get here is that information is independent of matter and energy. I mean, I'll, I'll uh, quote I don't know Norbert. if I agree with that. Okay, well. But I still don't uh, know I what you it. mean by information. Norbert, so Norbert, Norbert Weiner, professor of mathematics of MIT. Information is information, neither matter nor energy. And so you would agree, though, that if that were true, that atheism is untenable. No. Okay, so you just said that everything that exists is limited to the material world, thus it's matter or energy or a different version of that. And if information isn't matter nor energy, still somehow it can be matter and energy. Well, no. So you could, we could have matter, energy, and information, and then that would just be the natural world. Okay, so then, so, okay. So now information always from everything we've observed requires intelligent design. The materialist... I still haven't heard an argument for that. Uh, because the antecedent to order is intent. I still haven't heard an argument. Because <laughs> specific organization is not randomly and chaotically achieved. Certainly well, of course not. it's not. But the natural world isn't <laughs> okay. just random and chaotic. Entropy is a thing. Entropy also debunks atheism. Because no, it doesn't. It does. And so that's the second law. We can't even get there, though, because you can't acknowledge that matter and energy cannot be created nor destroyed. So you have to, ex you have I, to claim... What have I denied you have, oh, no, that? As it pertains to your position, which is that you have to now claim that there is no beginning. You have to claim that. What have that. I claimed that? No, I'm saying that you have to. When have I done that? What's the argument that I have to? Okay, be I don't. because it, okay, if matter cannot be created nor destroyed... According to physics as it currently stands, yes. Physics right. could have been different prior to the reheating period. Okay, so that's <clears> what I'm saying. Again, the atheist has free reign to make claims of anomalous physics. So, like, when, when and anyone... What I like, just said uh, is something almost any physicist I know would also agree with. That's even a, the Christian uh, or Muslim no, no, or no, Hindu no, one. No, no, This is the point. Atheism requires the claim of anom anomalous physics or anything like that. What does that mean, anomalous you, physics? Because that would be an anomaly. That would be not like, oh, but before this period, can't look for before this, no, you're not Isn't looking. That what it does? Dude, please stop interrupting me so much. You're not looking for anything. You made up an idea of something that you can't look for. Like, so therefore, it's an unfalsifiable like belief. It, you just said, oh, before the heating period. Reheating. Re okay, did you observe that? The reheating period? Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we understand that pretty well. Did you observe it? What do you mean by observe? Can you observe? What do you mean by observe? Repeating the word is not a definition. Why do you? Of, what, because you're using words you and I need to understand like what you mean by them in the context that you're saying them. Because the word see, observe to can see mean them. So to see with eyes, specifically. Or any, any type of Or like technology. various instruments and any instrument that we can make using the laws of physics. Anything. Then yes, we, we have observed it. That's what you say. So you That's say. That's what the physicists say. That, no, no. Yes, you, say, yes. you say that you looked back in time when you look in the sky and that you see the uh, oh, basically mean, yes. the big Okay. Did you see before it? Before what? Before this period. Before reheating? Yeah. No. So we, again, we don't understand th thank you. Inflation very no, thank you for the concession, which is that you just get to make up unfalsifiable theoretical ideas off the top of your head. Like what? That the laws of physics, the laws of thermodynamics didn't apply. I didn't say that. I said it's possible. I never said the laws of physics are different. I said it is a, it's a possibility that Says the laws who? of physics, Says physicists, and the fact that it is, there is no immediate contradiction. Why? It's entirely conceivable that the laws of physics could have been different, even if only slightly, prior to periods in the universe's um, evolution that we don't understand. Okay. Because we, we don't understand those periods in the universe's evolutionary okay. history. Cool. So, so it is possible that the laws of physics could be different. Are they? I don't know. Maybe not. 
but it's possible. So, so, so you see, this is why atheism actually offers no value to the world, because every time we get to the actual intellectual perspective, I mean, is of, it designed to, or is it no, just no, it's, disbelief it's, or lack of belief my in God, the existence my, of God? My guy, my guy, to defend atheism, you have to claim tons of anomalies and I don't knows, and we're just supposed to grant to you, oh, the laws of physics were no, different. you just have to disbelieve laws, or lack belief in the existence of God dude, to be an atheist. if anyone's listening to this conversation, every time you get a pointed question, you say, I don't know, could be this, could be that, and you yeah, get to... because I'm honest. Okay, but whenever a creationist says, oh, I think that there's a creator with a specific intent behind everything, oh, you just need something to make you feel comfortable. No, I don't you, say that, and I haven't said it. You're, you're talking to me in this discussion, not okay. all the other atheists do, do out you, there that say things that I haven't said in this discussion okay. that you're having with me. Do you understand that you're actually doing the same thing that people critique creationists for whenever you just have to make up whatever you can off the top of your head to say, what oh, I made up off the top of you're my basically head? just appealing to possibility infinitely. No, I'm just that saying is your that there argument. are things that are possible because we don't really know what's going on at certain periods in the universe's history because humans don't know everything about <laughs> the universe we're still learning knowing everything um, is a, is a to it's like a that's like a gaslighting tactic almost like no one said that you need to know everything like oh you don't understand science doesn't know everything no you're claiming things you're claiming that the laws of physics could be different well we can dismiss that extraordinary claim you have absolutely no evidence for it whatsoever and i will actually start i can start quoting some of the most right, renowned people I can start quoting the most renowned people in your own paradigm that said any theory you have that goes against the second law of thermodynamics is complete trash. Here's one. If your theory is found to be against the second law of thermodynamics, I can give you no hope. There is nothing for your theory but to collapse into mm -hmm. the deepest humiliation. Arthur there was another physicist that said that if there's any law of physics that is likely to never change, at least over the next thousand years, it's the second law of thermodynamics. I don't disagree with you, and I haven't said anything oh. that's in, in disagreement with these quotes. Also... I don't really care about quote mining. I care about like arguments. Quote mining. I've asked you for arguments several times and still haven't gotten one. Uh. I've asked you for definitions of terms you've used and haven't gotten them. Just a reiteration. That's what's making this discussion difficult, and that's why I keep interrupting you because I'm trying to actually understand what you're saying, and you're just making it hard. Okay, and like, I guess that you thought that was gonna like convince everyone that the last whatever <laughs> no. didn't happen. No, but no. you see, you're already interrupting what you're actually doing. Because you're making claims about things that I've said or that I'm doing that I'm not. No, and that's kind of, no, you're, to be honest, and no dude, offense, but that's a bit dishonest. But so is incessantly censoring the other person. But you How know what? You, you know see, what? You're I'm doing about. it right I now. Guess, because you're making claims about things that I'm doing uh, uh, that are just ridiculous. Everyone in the room knows. You make these claims? Everyone in the room knows you've interrupted me a lot. But. Yeah, and I bet they would understand why. Okay, can you just chill? Can you let Here. me also speak? I'll wait till it says 10.55. Go ahead. It doesn't have to be anything like that. Just let me finish my point. That's how conversations work, right? So, okay. Every time I ask you a claim or a question, like the actual parameters of your position necessitate specific clarity to have any intellectual uh, value whatsoever or even illusory coherence, okay? I keep on asking you the specific ones and all we get is I don't know. So basically just glorified skepticism and if you can just concede that basically atheism is actually agnostic you just don't know you don't know you don't know and as long as you can appeal to a theoretical idea that the laws of physics may have been different back then or maybe there was an inflaton or whatever then it's good enough for you it doesn't actually satisfy the intellectual questions though it's actually not good enough for me one position actually gives an intellectually coherent answer of viability your position just consistently avoids the question that's what's happening this entire time. Can you tell me, can you tell me why I've said I don't know a lot? 
Tell me, because I've said at least two or three times why. Can, can you tell me why? Yeah, yeah, because every time I, I boil down and corner you into the position of having to address specific things like the antecedent to information or whatever, you just ask me, oh, prove that prove that's the case. I say, well, all information. I don't think I've asked you to prove anything. I say, all evidence ever. And you say, oh, but what if? What if beforehand it was different? What, what if that's not the case? Yeah, those, are called, those are called questions. This so is, it's philosophically and bankrupt. Then, no, it's not. It is. Why would, I, why would I make statements about things I don't know about? No, but you, your position corners you into having to do that. Like when you said... No, it doesn't. Before the, it's uh, just I'm honest. Are, obviously, this is not going to... Well, let, let's get to specifics, okay? Like, for example... Um, what if I don't know the specifics? What if literally You're not going to know any specifics. That's why yeah, atheists normally don't take don't the know. debate. Atheists don't like to defend atheism. They just like to critique a religion. Then why are there so many atheists that chose, like myself, and there's another one in the audience, to debate here at this because, conference if atheists don't ever take debate? Straw man. So atheism, <laughs> atheism doesn't like to actually defend atheism specifically. What it likes to do is talk about what they think is wrong with the Bible, what they think is wrong with creationism. No, no it's a fact. Because atheism, when they're cornered, they, just like you've said, oh, well, it's actually just saying I don't know. Well, yeah, I know. That's what it is. It's tapping out of the tough questions. So the idea that you would then like take some type of superior intellectual position is funny. I'm asking you, is there a beginning to the universe? Because you're, you have your own position and you don't answer. So you've, you've pigeonholed the whole conversation. How many protons are in this, in this card? I don't know. Exactly. Why don't you know? It can be figured no, out. No, no, no. Why don't you know? It could. And so the things I've said I don't know too could be figured no, out. No, they can't. We, yes, they could. We just don't have the technology to do it. How can we go look before your alleged Big Bang? When we have the physics to do so? To go to transverse time in the current material confinement. time? What does that mean? You think we can actually see before the Big Bang? Well, inflation was before the Big Bang. That's a theory. It's a theory that yeah, you have. You're right. It is a theory. Okay. The scientific theory of inflation that we're almost certain happened. It's so wild that you're, you're, and you're claiming that you would ever be able to observe prior to the Big Bang, which was the actual alleged creation. No. It was the creation of matter, space, and time itself. No. Oh, it was. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. Well, okay, then you have your own version of it because... No. I'm, I'm saying what the physicists who know what they're talking about say. No, that Inflation not. precedes the reheating period. So... Let me run everybody no, through no, this really quickly. So strong. inflation happened. We don't know a whole hell of a lot about that. But immediately following inflation, what we do know, and Alan Guth showed this, is that during inflation, there would have been a supercooling. Under the rapid expansion of space-time, naturally, you make something really, really big, temperatures are going to drop. Now, supercooling has to be taken within context here. It still would have been like something like 10 to the 24th Kelvins. It still would have been very hot. But compared to 10 to the 32nd Kelvins, 10 to the 24th Kelvins is very, very cold. So there would have been a rapid supercooling. Inflation stops. We're not quite sure all the mechanisms for how it stops. But after that, the temperatures would have gone back up. There was a reheating period. That is known as the hot Big Bang phase of the universe's evolution, where the, the standard model particles that we understand today would have come into existence as the inflaton field, which would have been this sort of energy field that existed, that decayed, which is what caused inflation, would have come from. So inflation precedes the reheating period that it set up. Inflation comes before the Big Bang. That is your Any belief. PhD cosmologist, I'm not a PhD, so you don't have to, none of you have to take my word for it, it's but go to the University of Texas at Austin and go ask the cosmologist Bro. there. This is totally... Did inflation precede the Big Bang technically? And they'll say, yeah, inflation, as we understand it, preceded the Big Bang. Okay, 
That is your belief system, okay? And the one of almost every cosmologist I don't on care. the planet. So cool, you're trying to paint this as if I'm sort of like pulling this out of my ass? Mm. No, you just I'm want to just monologue. repeating what the professionals are saying. Okay, so that is, I don't care about your vague appeal to majority or anything like that. That's a fallacy. So is appealing to... No, it's not. No, appealing to majority is a fallacy. If I, had some, if I had a sore tooth and I went to the dentist, am I appealing to authority or am I going to somebody who... Just knows what they're talking You didn't about. even keep up with Should it. Should I, I go to my mechanic instead? Appeal to majority or consensus. Majority. And then you said consensus. something about appeal to authority. You're actually not in the process of listening. You're actually just waiting to speak. Well, they're all so, sort of the, the same fallacy. Appeal to consensus. That's appeal not to majority, the same fallacy. That's why it has a different name. Either way. They're actually all Okay, and you can't just appeal to the authority fallacy. of someone either. Like, just because... Fallacies come in groups. You know that, right? Oh, my gosh, dude. Just because an authority says something doesn't mean that it's true, okay? You're if right. it's the well, applicable... all the evidence says it and the authorities follow that evidence, then... Probably true, but maybe not. You just have to. You have to do it. Because if you I get to lay out my whole so point, wrong. then it just so destroys wrong. you. So that's why you have to do it. So at this point, I'm just going to read this quote. I mean, you, maybe that's the only thing you don't quote interrupt. Mine more. The only thing you don't interrupt is quotes. But um, it's, of course, I'm not appealing to the authority of this guy. No, you're quote mining. I'm not. You know what that is? No, I'm not quote mining. So this is just in complete context. You can go read the book, The Beginning of Time. Okay. But this is kind of what I'm trying to explain to him, and he keeps chucking and diving. So this argument about whether or not the universe had a beginning, that is at the heart of this entire conversation, dude. We're talking about... Conversation is about whether the universe had a beginning? I thought it was creationism versus atheism. That's right. And at the heart of creationism versus atheism is the idea, is there a beginning? Was the universe ever existence? If there's a beginning, what came before it? And what actually was the uh, energetic spark that caused there to be a beginning to then get here? Now, what, what atheists never want to do is talk about any of it. It's very convenient. Isn't that what I'm here doing? No, no, you're not. You're saying, you're, you're saying, I don't know. So the argument about whether or not the universe had a beginning persisted into the 19th and 20th centuries. It was conducted mainly on the basis of theology and philosophy with little consideration of observational evidence. Okay? This may have been reasonable given the notoriously unreliable character of cosmological observations until fairly recently. The cosmologist, I think that this is important, the cosmologist Sir Arthur Eddington once said, don't worry if your theory doesn't agree with observations because they are probably wrong. But if your theory disagrees with the second law of thermodynamics, it is in bad trouble. In fact, the theory that the universe has existed forever is in serious difficulty with the second law of thermodynamics. The second law states that disorder always increases with time, like the argument about human progress indicates that there must have been a beginning. And that Stephen Hawking in the beginning of time, do you, do you agree or disagree with, uh, with Sir Arthur Eddington? Well, I disagree with some of that, and then I agree with other parts. No, Stephen Hawking. That was Stephen Hawking. He, just, he referenced a small quote by Eddington. But what I'm was he referencing that quote with respect to? The if there was a beginning to the universe, right? And that, this is the point that you don't, will you address and tell me if you agree or disagree with this? If your theory disagrees with the second law, it's in trouble. In fact, the theory that the universe has existed forever is in serious difficulty with the second law because the second law states that disorder always increases with time. So like the argument about human progress, it indicates that there must have been a beginning. Well, I disagree with that, yeah. Um, also, if there was a theory that disagreed with the second law of thermodynamics, for me, let me say theory that disagrees with the second law of thermodynamics, for me, honestly, whether I would accept it, my in immediate sort of um, prima facie response would be to say that theory's probably wrong. But I'd have to look at the theory because it may have good reasons for why it goes against the second law of thermodynamics. 
Okay, yeah, so that, and that's how we got into the conversation earlier, right? Because once you start to pin down the actual logical requirements of atheism, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I don't, I don't know, the beginning, this, before the beginning, before my idea of inflation or whatever, oh, maybe the laws of physics were different, maybe the laws of thermodynamics, they're natural laws. They're not up for debate. No one cares about well, your non sequitur before. That's up for debate. And then what's funny is, so are, did, did the universe exist before the Big Bang? Technically, yes. So, okay, so there was already space to be filled. Yeah, okay. that space it, expanded, right. which is what created the Big Bang. I just explained that like eight minutes ago. No, see, Were you is, not listening? Yeah, but you're not. You, what's funny is the actual typical position of all these authorities you keep appealing to is that space and time itself actually were created in the Big Bang. What, no. Oh, yeah, I, I could just quote. No, yeah. they would have said what I said. Inflation precedes the Big Bang. Okay, what is inflation? Inflation is the process whereby space underwent an exponential expansion. It's a process where space does something, but it superseded space. No. It that's why. You, see, you're assuming space begins at the Big Bang. That's false because inflation inflated space and then set up the Big Bang. Okay. That's just like following through basic Okay, so space Therefore, existed. Therefore, it would follow that space obviously then existed prior to the Big Bang. Therefore, forever? We don't know. Inflation might go back forever. Probably not. Um, you know, we have the Bordeaux-Guth-Belenkin theorem. Inflationary space times are not past complete. I feel, though, You're that I watched the, the World Science Forum, and Alan Guth was on it, said, no, we actually have some, some theors, theoretical ideas that inflation might be eternal into the past. But don't quote me on that, anybody, because I don't, I, I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on that. I don't know if I heard that correctly, and I can't find the same World Science Festival video to confirm it. So please don't, don't quote me on that. Um, I'm thinking about emailing Alan Guth and actually asking him myself, but I just haven't gotten around to that. But, okay. See, physics, science in general, has nuance. You seem to be ignoring that and trying to push so everything no, no, into no. like a black and white dichotomy. No, I'm, I'm actually exposing the, the notion that somehow it holds intellectual superiority when in fact, okay, people sit back, men sit back, they write books, they come up with ideas, the evidence doesn't match their ideas, and then they start making up new ideas. Okay, cool, oh, yeah, that's, that's what that we do in science. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, but like creationists are able to answer a lot more of the questions, right, because there's a lot, the logical... So where, so where did the universe come from on creation? An intelligent agent. How did, the, how did that intelligent agent create the universe? It, it exists out... Oh, how did he do it? Yeah, how? With, with specific intent, however he chose how to do it. How did he apply his intent to... However, he, however, how, however, it was done. So, what are you explaining? That that now the what log mechanisms are you the logical to? antecedent is satisfied now. Okay, in your position, how is it satisfied? There's be, no mechanisms there. What are you explaining? An intelligent agent that's not confined to space, time, or mm -hmm. matter is actually the primary. So what is this? It's the primary. That's called a diversion. The primary mover. I'm asking you about it doesn't matter. It doesn't see that. That's where religion comes in, and then people come up with their interpretation of God. But that's not what this is about. This is about the logical requirement that there was a primary mover, okay? That there was some type of intelligent and how agency. Did this mover move the universe into existence. You're asking me questions that are red you herring don't know, fallacies. Do you? No, of course I don't know. That doesn't okay, matter. Okay, so it's okay for you to not know, but when I don't know, that's bad, and that's all you do, and that's like, see, this, this, this is what I do. No, th this <laughs> is good try, but what you're actually doing now is trying to like, you know, sleight of hand pretend that. It's the same thing. It's not. I'm asking you about the fundamental question, right? Is there a beginning? If there's a beginning, what came before it? 
Well, does it have some type of intention? We know that order requires intention. You still haven't given you, the argument for that. I've I, asked like five times. It's the, our whole I'm not even going to bother to ask again because I'm Yeah, because our whole argument can be summarized, our whole debate can be summarized the same thing. You ask me, I say all observable evidence ever, and then you say, what if there's something else? No, I say, what's the argument that all observable evidence shows that order only can only come from intention? Okay, so I started giving examples. You want me to list everything in the universe? But I didn't ask for examples. I asked for an argument. Those aren't the same thing. Okay, to have very meticulous order and information requires intelligent agency. If we write a book, if we make, a, if we write computer code, these are very specific ordered mm -hmm. in information. They're not, they're not the only forms. Stars are highly ordered. Okay. So stars require creators. That's not true. We know how stars form. Gravity. Okay, I get that you think that, and you want to like give no, me that, these that's big not questions. We think we've watched it happen. You've watched gravity. Yes, we've watched. That's crazy, stars dude. Form. You watched gravity. Yeah, I can. That's watch, crazy, yeah, bro. Can you should get your Nobel right Prize. Now. See, you watched a bottle. You didn't watch, watch gravity. gravity. No. That's, what I, that's what I just observed. Right, I observed the force of gravity. I get it. I get well, it. That you're, force of you're, you're, you're pulling out all the tax now because you know that I obviously could de would debate you about what you think gravity is. And I'm not going to take the bait to change the subject, although your own paradigm admittedly has no idea what gravity is and everyone knows Curvature that. Curvature in the geometry of space-time. What are you talking about? Except admittedly they know that doesn't work and now they're proposing modified Newtonian dynamics. Well, then I but wonder what, why well, Einstein and Eddington why are they proposing the modified gravitational... Why are they proposing that? Modified mind. gravity? Tell me what modified gravity is, please. There's different versions. I said mind. Why are they proposing mind? Mind is modified gravity. Yeah. Tell me what it is. What is There's modified gravity? There's many different versions. It's so pick one. Tell me what it no, is. No. Modified Newtonian dynamics. What is it? Okay, so as soon as I point out that... You don't know, do you? You have to interrupt, right? As soon as I point out that the re that they know that the current version of gravity is wrong and that's why they're proposing something else, you say, oh, define it. Yeah, you I want to know these... if you understand it. No, 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 no. Answer my question first and I'll happily do it. Answer my question. If gravity, so, we're so sure about what gravity is and it's correct, then why are they proposing Mond? Why? Dark matter. Okay, so then there is something wrong with the current version of gravity and it's being no, theoretically replaced. No, there's not something wrong, but, well, the thing that's wrong with the current just, theory of gravity is that we don't have a quantum description of it. That's what's wrong. Um, but you, so, what, so what is no, cosmological, the question. cosmological problem? So what is Mond? What is modified gravity? There are, it's, it's typically Newtonian mechanics, although there are some uh, hybrids of relativistic and Newtonian mechanics within it. It's an entire branch of an idea of just modifying gravity to not have the dark matter problem. There's all kinds of different versions. How are they modifying gravity? I don't care. We're not, because you want to change the subject. No, it's just that what I'm doing is asking you to see if you know, if you even understand the things that you're mentioning, and you're getting there, a little upset because you don't. No, so it's because modified you're trying Newtonian to change the subject. Or modified gravity is a way of modifying certain constants and features in Newtonian gravitational equations and certain relativistic equations to account for the anomalies that we see, like galaxies spinning faster than they should, lensing light more than anything. they should, all of that, which is the whole dark matter thing. So you there's literally two said approaches nothing. to this. There's modified gravity, which states that no, there isn't extra matter out there that's adding this mass to account for these anomalies. We just have to modify gravity on these galactic and extra galactic scales that we haven't really even tested gravity on because we don't exist on those scales. We just have to modify the equations and that, that will fix it. And then there's dark matter, which says no, oh my there gosh, is a bro. legitimate form of matter there that is, that, that is adding that mass that is creating these anomalies that we're observing. So there's two ways to approach this, but this doesn't really have to do with gravity per se. It has to do with anomalies that we're observing that don't align with what we, with the theories that we have. Of so gravity. what do we do? Yeah, that we're like, <laughs> this well, is, you're, you're, you're trying that, to run away. It's more that not really so much gravity. Is that the, the, the gravity is telling us, you know, the truth that, you know, we should be seeing 
galaxies spin apart. But okay, are you done? So are you done? Mass has to be there. Okay, so this has, where nothing to do, this has nothing to do with the debate, and that's why I kept trying to jump in. You're going to interrupt me. I kept trying to jump in and say, dude, you're wanting to change the subject and get me to take the bait about gravity because you can't answer the ontological parameters what of your you own position. What do you think ontology is? Please stop, dude. You keep using terms. Stop. I don't think they stop. mean what you think they mean. Stop. Stop. So, and, it's irritating and, as well. No, no, what's super funny though, dude, is all he can do in the debate is pick a word and, then, and try to argue about the definition of the word. And I'm then what, to see what stop you interrupting me, yeah. dude. I don't have a mic, but just one second, bud. <laughs> I mean, it's just incessant. Okay, mm -hmm. so this is the point, right? Uh, you said, oh, I don't even know what it is. And then all you said was they're modifying it. And it's not about gravity per se, except what's wrong with our theories of gravity. I said that in like 10 seconds. Then you monologue for two minutes and said the same thing. But that's all irrelevant to what we're talking about. What we're talking about is atheism versus creationism. I'm trying to get you to answer and make specific claims, and you can't do that. I'm saying, okay, is there a beginning? I don't know. Okay, then if there is a beginning, you agree that something predated it. I think inflation predated it. Right. Okay. So, like, is what if the, so you you are saying there's a beginning because your belief no. is that your belief is that inflation came before that, or so you're saying there was just inflation was there forever or whatever. I don't know. It doesn't matter the specifics. The question is, if there's a beginning, don't you agree that means something came before it to start it? And if entropy is always existing in the universe, then the universe is losing energy over time, then it's supposedly going to reach this point in your losing energy. It, it's 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 effectively decaying. So like energy is. The, the usable form of energy is decreasing. Okay. The ability of energy goes down as energy does work. The usability, the usable uh, energy in the universe, according to your paradigm, is going down over time. And, and okay, so you just corrected me to not correct me. But this is what's so funny because that's called, it's all you have is tactics. Answer the question though, if it's running out, does that mean it will eventually end? The universe? Yeah. No. Okay, so it's not going to reach the period that the energy is no longer usable. Well, that's not the same as the universe ending. That's energy not being able to do anything. That's the universe reaching thermodynamic equilibrium. Will that happen? Yes. Will the universe stop existing? No. Almost certainly not. The okay, universe so they, will expand and cool literally forever. They call it the heat death or like the big chill. Okay. And so it's the idea that obviously at some point the universe is going to have this heat death because the usable energy is going to eventually run out, right? And that is also suggestive of a beginning, okay? Just like human progression, as Stephen Hawking said, that's like, oh, well, we started somewhere to progress. This is the antecedent of progression. It's the antecedent of change that is progressive or regressive, okay? So it's very simple logic to know that if the universe and your own belief system is supposedly running out of usable energy, right? But entropy, we know to be always present. Well, then there had to be a beginning. There had to be a beginning for that to be the case or what causes that progression? Well, the universe was low entropy, yes. We don't know why, but it doesn't mean it's a beginning. And I've already explained why. Okay, so it just started progressing randomly with no beginning point. I don't know. I don't think most cosmologists... And, it's the, and, and, and yeah, you're right. You don't have to know but you have to address the actual logical antecedent, right? So like, oh, I, oh, what's, you don't, I don't know what happened at the beginning of time, so you think somehow God exists? I'm not saying you're saying that, but that's the implication. No, right? I don't care if you know all the specifics or what the specifics are. I'm asking you to address the logical antecedents. I don't know what you mean by that. Uh, the, require, the logical requirements. So like- Logical requirement of what? 
that if something is progressive or regressive, for example, that the usable energy of the universe is running out over time, that means it had a beginning stage. That's not, that's not logically necessitated by that statement. No, that conclusion so our, is not logically necessitated by that. But when I asked you to articulate why it was not, you said, because I don't it, know. No, I said that because there, there's no, it, it does not follow. There's no logical entailment there. You'd have to show the logical entailment because you're the one claiming that there's a logical entailment there. Okay. So what would that entail? It's, it's very simple, yeah. So if there's a universe, okay, and all the energy throughout all time of the universe has been moving in a certain direction, the usable energy has been going down, it's very simple. If that's been going down the entire time, it started from somewhere to go down from. Do you understand that? And what's the argument for that? Basic logic. If, Can if, you lay out that logic for me then? Yes, please? yes. Okay, the, go for it. the progressive change, meaning it's changing a certain amount in a consistent direction, okay? Something can change literally forever from eternity past. To but eternity it's changing future. progressively. That's what change is, yeah. Okay, no, it's like as in a, a sequential progressive order, right? The, it, the amount of usable energy is consistently going down, and it consistently goes in that direction, okay? So it's coming from somewhere. It's going down from some initial from amount. a low entropy state at the reheating period, yeah. Okay. That doesn't mean that's a beginning. Okay, so you there were... still haven't logically shown that entailment. So at one point, the, it wasn't going down. I don't know. Do you not understand the logic? You have to say yes. You don't understand the logic no. of it. Uh, believe me, I probably understand. Oh, okay. Then maybe you should pay attention to the logic of this question, right? Which is at the beginning, you're saying the low entropy state. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is w was not it, the was beginning. It, was it going down then? Was the universe evolving? Was yes. the usable energy going down was then? Was the universe evolving? Yes. No, I said, was the usable energy going down? Well, that then? would that would be just entailed answer, okay. by the universe evolving. Okay. So obviously, I'm answering so, yes. If so you knew what even, you were talking about, you would know that that was part of my answer. Okay, so even at the beginning, in this low entropy state, it was going down. The, the usable energy was going down. Therefore, okay, going down from where? So you can't just say the low entropy state. We're back to the same problem, which is that it's going down from that, an initial that is point. That's where it was, the, the energy, entropy has been increasing from the low entropy state of the early universe. Okay, but you we said... We don't know why the, the early universe was in a low entropy state. Do you not actually state. understand what I'm saying? A, a lot of it, no, I don't. Why do you think I've been asking you what you mean so many damn times? Okay, it's very simple, right? So if the, the usable energy of the universe is supposedly going down, forever, and then you say, yeah, but that's, and then it started with the low entropy state. That's not necessarily a beginning. I said, okay, well, at this low entropy state, was it also still doing that? Yes. Okay, doing that from where? Now you're from just- the low entropy state. Yeah, you're infinitely regressing, right? Like, it has, you just said the low energy state, the low entropy state. Then I said, okay, so the low entropy state at that time when it was in the low entropy state, was it, uh, the usable energy also decreasing then? You said, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then you were going to keep on going back now. Okay, so where's it coming? Where's it going why down from? Why was the universe in a low entropy state? No, is why, why is the entropy? Where, dude, how do you understand this? If it's going down, the usable energy is going down. Okay, it's going down from some point. The low entropy state of the universe. But you said the low entropy state was also going down. The no, I'm saying there was a, the universe oh, was low entropy during reheating. And has, the entropy has been increasing since then. I think what you're trying to ask is why was the early universe low entropy no. and that entropy has been increasing since then? No, that's not what I'm asking. And I, I, you're right. I'm, I'm not following you. Well, you'll get it. Just like Stephen Hawking said, I read the quote. Just like pro progression of any cosmologist. Just like progress. <laughs> it's very simple, though. And I just read Stephen Hawking explaining it. But just like the, progress, the progression of human, quote unquote, evolution, if you believe in that, that progression shows there's a starting point. Okay, this is logical antecedent, dude. To, and this is what atheism is just void of logical coherence. 
all of a sudden, when it comes to the universe, whenever there's a progression, you don't need a beginning. It progresses from nowhere. You can invoke, oh, nothing. You can provoke the progression from nowhere. Because when you say that, say, humans evolve, well, we, we track it back, right? We track it back, and then you get all the way to your special rocks that you guys believe in, right? So, like, and you can keep what going. What special rock? Don't you agree that if something is progressing or changing over time, it's coming from a certain state, initial state? Progressing from some previous state? An initial state. If you track it all the way Not back. Not necessarily from an initial state. So it just infinitely loops. Something could, yes. So it goes down below zero. What, the, what, what is that? What do you mean by that? How do you understand what it? Does it, zero have to do it couldn't with be infinitely increased. For example, can, it couldn't be infinitely de- increasing. What couldn't? Anything, dude. It's, what it's, about the you're real ignoring number line? the logic. What about the real number line? That couldn't infinitely increase even though it does? What? The, the real number line? Numbers. Yeah, but no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about physical reality. I'm asking you. That was an example. Can I you? I was giving an example. All right, this is just, this is just crazy. You said nothing can, can increase infinitely, but what about the real number line that increases oh ad infinitum? Okay. Um, I'm saying that the logical requirement for something to progressively change, and I've had to say it 10 times now, right, is that it's coming from an initial point. You said, yeah, the low entropy state. I said, okay. So we go to the low entropy state. And we keep going, or is it not changing then? Oh, no, it's also changing then. Okay, so it's decreasing. The usable energy is decreasing even at the low entropy state. So now we're going to go another step back. Where is it, where's the starting point that it's decreasing from? And you said, oh, it doesn't necessarily need that. I don't know. It could go infinite. So you're saying that's your argument. Where is entropy increasing from? Is that what you're Sure. Where, where is well, the low entropy state of the universe, past which we don't know anything about? So you've got the low entropy state, and from there, the uni- entropy increases as the universe evolves forward in the future. I don't know why this is difficult to understand. This is no, no, literally you're, just like you're not one in cosmology. No, you're asking it's difficult to understand. Your argument is that you don't know. So like, well, that's not an argument. That's me being honest about. Okay, what but we why know are you saying it's? Know. Why are you acting like it's difficult for me to understand? You're trying you to and, me on your argument that is that you don't understand. You admitted that, that you're trying to get to specifics when. There are none because we don't know. Okay, I get it, right. So when it comes to if there's a beginning or not, you don't know. But, Nobody does. But I just pointed out that your own universal model, whether that be accelerative expansion, which is lavable, but we won't talk about that. Accelerative expansion or the fact that entropy, of course, always exists, and so therefore we have usable energy decreasing over time since the supposed beginning, right? Um, which typically your paradigm would say big, the Big Bang, okay? This all necessitates a beginning or it's in direct conflict with the second law of How thermodynamics. How necessitate a beginning? And, and, or it's in direct conflict with second law of thermodynamics. And that's where you said, oh, well, maybe back then the second law didn't apply. Okay, that's effectively just tapping out. No, it's that, not. It's stating a truth. We okay. don't know. If okay. Laws. And it's funny because the laws of thermodynamics actually aren't like other laws that's of physics. Funny. They're statistical. You're claiming th- that it could happen. Okay. So you said I, you don't think it's very likely. Okay, so let's... We now, that's just a random claim that holds no way to say, oh, back in the day, the second law didn't apply. It's I like, didn't say that. It could not have applied. That's just a cool I didn't story. I not that either. You literally said it's it. It's possible that it could not have applied. We don't know. Maybe it did. I don't know because we don't know enough about So when you said, see, yeah, see what he does? He says, you didn't say that. Then no, repeats exactly what, what I know, said. And I'm saying, yeah, it could be this, but it also could be this, but maybe it could be this. And then you say, you said it was this. No, 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 no. No, I said, you said it could, and then you said, I didn't say that. I said it possibly could. Yeah, possibly. It's just so funny, mm-hmm. dude. So anyway, the Modality, point, it's very, it's very simple. I'm trying to get understand. to the conclusion of this whole thing, right? Whenever it came to the information, right, and we Which know, we know that we have, we know that we have very, 
meticulous information in our DNA and genetic code, for example. And uh, like so transcription and translations, the coding schemes all within our DNA is very complex. And you, you say, I said, well, that requires some type of intelligent agency from everything else that we can see, right? Because the uh, antecedent to intention is order, or to order is intention. And then you like disagree with that. You said no. And you still didn't give an argument for it? Because you just appealed to the possibility that maybe you can have information what without it. What I appealed it. to isn't relevant to your argument that you did not give? No, my, yeah, my point is that all examples I can point out show that. I didn't ask for examples. I asked for arguments. How many times do I have to say this? You know what an argument is? Can you tell dude. me what an argument is? Oh, my gosh, dude. Because I already explained that the specific order requires this. But this, this, is, this is one thing this I want to do. a claim, not an argument. I think we have 30 minutes of Q&A, right? So I want to say, I want to ask you this other question. Maybe this will be productive. Because all we've gotten is I don't know is with all the other stuff. So, And you may say I don't know this, right? But um, is morality objective? By objective, you mean stance independent, correct? Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. I don't, I, I'm a normative anti-realist. I don't think there's any stance independent norms at all, not even epistemic norms. Okay, so you don't think, you think that morality is subjective? I think it's stance dependent, yes. What you believe is right and wrong depends on the stances you have as an agent. Uh, well, sure, obviously, but the question is... But that's it, what subjective morality is. It's yeah, stance the, dependent. Yeah, but the, qu the question is, is it, what, what is the actual truth, not what you think, right? And so, okay. But you just asked me what can I thought. You, so, are, so then, therefore, are you suggesting, and I hate to have to bring this up, right, but it's something egregious. Like, there's a scenario in which, like, raping a woman or, like, hurting a child or something is not only not wrong, but it's good. Yeah, like, if aliens came to the Earth and said, if somebody doesn't rape this woman, we're going to kill all humans, including this woman, I would say, yeah, that woman ought to be raped in that scenario. Yeah, that, that would be good. But the act of raping the woman is still intrinsically Well, I don't bad. think that morality is contained in actions. I think it, it is contained in stances. That's what stance dependence means when, when ethicists talk about, moral philosophers talk about mm. stance dependent versus stance independent. Moral, okay. moral statements or normative statements. Yeah, I was trying. I was trying to bring it back. So the point here is that, like, and you said subjective, right? Which I just think is untenable, and, and that's what you have to say. But there are some atheists that, that there are some atheists that claim that morality is objective. And my point is that obviously to have objective morality, like a, a linear code of ethics, right, or laws in physics, these require an author. Based on what do you mean by that? Application of logic necessitates that very specific linear code of ethics or very specific order, right, or laws that requires a lawmaker with everything that we can even conceive of. But the atheist gets to claim the anomaly again. Well, no, but the laws of physics don't need one. Oh, those laws don't need a lawmaker. Oh, objective morality can exist without some type of intention behind the order, right? So it's just like this weird, ambiguous anomaly. It's this redundant anomaly claim. You so see? this moral author. Is the objectivity of moral statements above this moral author or contained within the moral author, given by the moral author? Oh, well, that's a good question. I mean, I, he, 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 whatever this is must not be confined to material confinement. Sure. So okay, so, really then, my so, so then we, no, we, we, don't, even, we don't understand um, the, even the interpretive or intentional process of such a thing, right? And, sure. and, and that's where religion gets into it. And I don't care, uh, care about that because my point is just that like, something with intention is creating this. Like when we talked about the laws, like the, everything seeks equilibrium. Like if you wanted to like really dumb down physics, it's that everything seeks equilibrium. I don't know if I would use that phrase, but can, for the sake but of it literally does. So like high, high gas, cold sure, gas. Sure. Okay. So the thing about this, if everything in physics, whether that's chemistry, quantum, whatever, it's in a process of seeking equilibrium, then what, wh who created? Like where is the uh, intention? 
to give it that predetermined order, meaning that there's a state of equilibrium, there's a state that it's pursuing. Everything in physics is naturally just trying to fall to a specific predetermined order. I don't agree with that. I'd need to see an argument in favor of that, and I haven't seen one yet. Well, like, yeah, you can use anything. So get gas pressure, uh, make a cup of coffee, it's going to it's gonna get cold over yeah, time. That's just, not, that's just the natural world doing what the natural world does. Which is seeking equilibrium. I so, mean, not really, because you can reverse entropy. Like, the Earth is getting energy from the sun. Entropy on Earth is, is not going up. It's going down, because the Earth is getting energy. So the second law of thermodynamics, and I'm sure you know this, um, is like universal, not in the sense that it doesn't look at like specific instances, it's broad. Entropy broadly increases in the universe over time, but not there's instances where it's, it's going down, like on Earth, because the Earth is getting energy from the sun, or when you stick that, that cup of coffee that went cold on the counter in the microwave and reheat it, you're, you're um, decreasing entropy in that instance. Okay, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty simple. What I'm saying is that um, regardless if there's external additional components or whatever that, you know, my point is that everything in physics is seeking equilibrium. I mean, and that's just actual. It doesn't matter. Like, everything is. And the reason that the sun is supposedly giving energy to the earth, obviously, I don't believe in your model of things, but it doesn't matter, uh, is not somehow independent of the fact that everything is seeking equilibrium. Everything does that. My point is that Everything we observe from the small to the big scale, all sciences, right? The very fundamental acknowledgement we have to acknowledge, which is also proof of the metaphysical that we even have to acknowledge it as the prerequisite. But we do that. We utilize uh, logic, a metaphysical application to then acknowledge that everything's seeking equilibrium. And we use that understanding to actually begin to learn about the world, right? So how in the world is this place randomly and chaotically here or ever existent with no intention and everything to the smallest little molecule and smaller? It's all built in such a way that it's always seeking equilibrium. I don't think the universe is random. If it were, I don't know why the laws of physics would be so damn predictable. You see, okay, we agree though. So, so your, so I guess your position then is, yes, everything that exists is very ordered and has this natural order. Well, there's disorder as well. Um, but the, the disorder is the process of trying to get to order. Well, I don't really understand that. Um, I just think the universe is increasing in entropy and... There's order in that. There's disorder in that. There's stochasticity in that. There's there's causality in that. But you think that you so you think that the universe can be as ordered as it is randomly, without like without you mean any by ordered randomly. No, I'm, I'm saying like yeah, that's what the I'm saying. Has <laughs> order. Yeah, that's. I don't see why that's okay. What seemingly controversial? But it, how did it got here without any type of like intention? Or, of course, right. Why so it's, so, so then it would be random. Did you guys want any closing statements before we go into Q and A? I don't need one, no. Okay. If Austin wants to have one, that's fine with me. All right, because we are going to go into Q&A in about two minutes. So I if think you guys we should totally to... do closing statements. All right, if you want to go ahead there, Wits, the floor is yours. All right, just real quick, yeah. Um, and it got kind of heated, and you're cool with me, bro, you know, but um, it's this is a really big conversation, and, and maybe we, it could have been more ordered, but long story short, um, we talked about how anything that you invoke that goes against the second law of thermodynamics is inadmissible intellectually, and... Um, he obviously disagrees. He says that maybe at some point in time, the second law of thermodynamics didn't apply, but, um, you know, disagree. And that being, that necessitates a beginning to the universe. In any, in any model, the fact that we see that this energy, just the usable energy is decreasing, et cetera, et cetera, the second law necessitates that there was a beginning. And that's the fundamental first question, Mike. And was there a beginning to this place? If there's a beginning to the place, then the antecedent is, well, like something had a spark and primarily move it. Um, 
also the fact that we even are using logic, right? That's a metaphysical acknowledgement of the world around us that we use to interpret it. Uh, and the fact that we have so such information even built into us, the genetic code, right, is specific information. All examples require intelligent agency. So long story short, the whole my whole argument can be summarized in the fact that the uh, antecedent to specific and meticulous and reoccurring order is intention. And someone can say, prove it. I'm like, okay, well, I can name anything in the whole world. I can name anything that exists as an example. And they're like, oh, yeah, but maybe there's something else. Can you prove that there couldn't theoretically be something else that doesn't require it? And at that point, I'm like, okay, you can say that about anything. You, you can say that Daffy Duck, uh, we live in Daffy Duck. I mean, you, you can say anything if you just end up by saying, well, can you prove that isn't theoretically possible in some way? And so I just want, I want people to leave with that, right? The idea is that atheism effectively kind of taps out of the tough questions. And we all have thought about the questions because they're the most important ones. So I think we should not tap out of the question. Did you want any closing statement where you <clears throat> just had one there, Leo? Um, I might as well. Whoa, I should not have had two cups of coffee. I'm zooming over here. Anyway, um, so I mean, in summary, I think I did a pretty good job of juxtaposing creationism and um, naturalism. I think that naturalism is, in fact, intellectually superior. I think it doesn't make nearly um, as brash of claims about reality, as unsupported of claims about reality as um, creationism does. Uh, not to mention, I think there are aspects of creationism that are just obviously and demonstrably false, particularly those related to biology and certain claims that some of them make about um, physics and chemistry, like that the 4.54 billion year old planet that we inhabit is somehow only like 6,500 years old. It doesn't make sense. Um, anyway, I, I asked a lot of questions related to definitions so that I can better understand the context um, that my opponent is coming from so that I can better understand him and his position and respond more accordingly and was effectively accused of like dishonesty and dodging when I did that. Same when I asked for arguments. I didn't get like any definitions for words that he used, which made it difficult, which is why I interrupted a lot. I didn't get any arguments for claims that he made, which is very hard, because then I don't know what your argument is. I don't really understand what it is that you're saying and what you mean, and that makes it difficult. And that's also why I interrupted quite a bit, because when people don't answer questions and don't give arguments for their claims and they don't define the terms that they're using, it makes it very difficult to understand them and the position that they're coming from. And then that just makes the discussion very hard. And so I have to interrupt more so that I can try to get you to answer the questions, give the definitions, make the arguments. And that's all, to me, better understanding your argument and your position and where you're coming from so that I can respond in a way that is honest. And I think that acknowledging the limitations of our knowledge, acknowledging when we don't know things instead of committing ourselves to positions where we don't, we don't really have a lot of evidence is just the honest position to take. And I've noticed that a lot of, in this final sentence, I've noticed that a lot of creationists attack the other side for having that honesty to admit when we don't know things or when we're not committed to certain positions. All right. Well, thank you so much, Leo, and also thank you to Austin Winsett. We're going to go into Q&A, so if you guys are watching live right now, hit the like button. I, I'll break the rules and look right into the camera. So we're going to have some speakers come up. Uh, hopefully you can all hear me on the uh, feed. If we don't have enough questions, we will pull from our super chat. So if anybody wants to make a line uh, behind the camera here, I just say just stay behind that last outlet plug there just so we don't hit any lines. 
And I'll also let everybody know while I'm thinking of it, once we break from here and go to lunch, if you're not going to lunch, there is an area in the lobby uh, just behind the glass pane where you guys can hang out. You can also go out to the pool area. The pool's not open, but you can go out there if you want some fresh air and you don't want to leave the hotel area. So uh, if you guys have questions, you can make a line. Yeah, sure thing. Marv, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's more of an observation, uh, two observations, than a question, but it's pretty quick. Um, I agree that Especially early on, you were interrupting a lot. Yes. Which I don't think is as good a debate style as uh, Austin's. However, I think it's much more, considerably more, intellectually honest to say, I don't know, instead of postulating, implying, if not specifically saying, that there has to be a creator. Mm -hmm. I think it's more intellectually honest to say that we just don't know. Thoughts on the panel there? Yeah, um, yeah. I think that I don't know is an honest position when there is like an equal answer to basic things, meaning like atheism doesn't have a logical worldview, whereas creationism is like, oh, well, we can check all of these boxes as to the primary movement, the requirement, the logical antecedents, right? So as to exactly what it is, like who, who, whose God is right or anything like that, I can maybe even agree that saying I don't know would be more honest there. But as to exactly how it happened, why it happened, like he was asking me, well, what did, what did the, this creator do and how did he do it? I don't know. And that's the honest position. But the honest position, in my opinion, in conclusion, what I'm saying is the honest position in this is to acknowledge that everything we observe that has order like that, everything that we can ever observe, it has some type of intelligent agency behind it, right? So if you're going to claim the anomaly, then uh, I don't know that I don't know is actually the honest position. I think there may be like some ulterior motivation as to why people don't want to think that it was created. But Can I give just one really quick statement? Sure thing, 30 seconds. Part of the reason, and I agree with you, interrupting isn't necessarily the best approach, but I come from a particular philosophical school, I guess you could say. Um, a, lot of our, a lot of my friends online, we, we do engage in a particular way. And part of the reason that I did interrupt quite a bit was also because a lot of statements were being made about what I said or what I'm committed to that are not true. And I'm going to stop you right there if you do that, because that is not fair to me, and I have the right to correct that and state what my actual position was or what my actual statement was. And that's all I wanted to say with respect to that. All right. I want to make sure that the audience can see our questioner. So if you can step up just a little bit there. All right. Your question there, Buck. Cool. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. Uh, so what's it? You claimed that order and information can only come from intelligence or intention. So I just wanted to provide you two counterexamples that debunk that and then hear your response, if that's okay. Yeah. So one, like snowflakes forming in the atmosphere. Uh, every snowflake has a unique shape that's unique information that snowflakes don't require any intelligence or intention to form. And then two, since you really like genetic information particularly, I wanted to ask if you ever heard of nylonase. It's a specific type of enzyme that evolved to digest nylon. We know that the information for that enzyme did not exist prior because nylon did not exist prior to humans inventing it. So this was like literally mutations pr producing new information. Nylonase is an entirely new class of enzyme that did not exist prior. That's new information, the yeah. order in snowflakes, etc. No information or no intelligence, no intention. 
Your thoughts? Yeah. So it would be the order that was actually antecedent to the laws of physics that formulate the snowflakes in the first place. That kind of begging the question. Natural, naturally occurring processes. When it comes to the enzyme thing, I mean, you have to have the pre-existing information and capability to then become something else. Which is why I was saying, ironically, evolution would be proof of creationism, and that's what's so funny is for the for the actual organism to have the information innately to where it can adapt. It, ha it that had to be built in. Like you're like, oh look, this uh, made new information. Yeah, because it already it had the information and capability to do that. And I've never heard a rebuttal to that from evolutionists. That that's an innate quality of an organism to be able to. So it's pulling upon existing information to even be able to do it in the first place. So to isolate and point out that oh look, there's a little different information over here. That's just a non sequitur in my opinion. Respectfully. All right, your question. Uh, yeah, thank you both for doing this. It was an amazing debate. Really appreciate it. I like your shirt. <laughs> thank you. I like uh, his shoes. My uh, my wife picked it out. It's the only good shirt I have, and <laughs> it's because of her. So, um, my question is for Witsit. You mentioned DNA being uh, information. Uh -huh. I've heard this kind of equivalence uh, uh, done a lot. Like DNA is like code, or it's like words. The problem with that equivalence is when we look at words or software. There's an encoding mechanism and a decoding mechanism. Like software is decoded in a CPU. DNA is the only thing that we know of where the encoding mechanism and the decoding mechanism are the same thing inside the system. It's very unique in that way. There's nothing else that does that. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of, it feels like a false equivalence to me, and I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. That's, that would seem like, so uh, that would seem like you needed some type of intelligent agency more. I guess like um, DNA is very crazy. I also, DNA is not even fully understood at all, and, and not just the full mapping of the genome, like the actual methodologies uh, and causal mechanisms of what DNA does. But the main point is just that it's just that the information itself is there. It's a genetic code, and it's very highly meticulous, mind-blowingly. Um, so as to that distinction, I don't see that distinction being specific to my point right which is that just to have that genetic code or that information it requires intelligent agency i mean we can just claim that maybe it doesn't but it just doesn't logically follow to me but um yeah i would say even that even the fact that dna is exclusively uh exclusive in its causal mechanism of creating information wouldn't really be specific to why it has to be intelligently created all right next one Hey, Leo and Witsit. So my question goes back to a little bit what you said earlier, Witsit, about how you could claim you don't know the how of the mechanism, how the creator caused the universe to exist. So we can discuss, like, um, we could provide a logical argument to explain that there's an infinite past existence, infinite low entropy, the symmetrical to the infinite high entropy into the future. Like we, we seems like everybody agreed, at least based on our current model, that with second law of thermodynamics, there'll be an infinite future of high entropy. So why can't we have an infinite past from the Big Bang, I guess, of low entropy, but we just don't know the how. Like we could say, well, we don't know how that mechanism went from low entropy to, to where we started um, um, getting high entropy. I probably said that backwards. But anyways, that's the question. So why can't I say be logically consistent by just asserting something and just not explaining 
the how. It seems like I'm in the same position you are. Yeah. Thank you so much. I wasn't asking for the how. Specifically, I was asking, I was making the point that holding to that belief requires acknowledging that there's a beginning. So, like, you said infinite, infinite past, which, you know, is an interesting term there, phrase, but um, my whole point was that that requires there be a beginning. The fact that it's progress, the usable energy, so entropy increasing, and that the usable energy in the quote-unquote universe, and anyone that knows me, I don't really believe a lot of these theories because they're pseudoscientific nonsense, but that aside, the, the, that is a, you know, thermal dynamics is real. And the usable energy decreasing is coming from a specific point. So the reason I, the only reason I invoked that was um, typically, if you look at the history of atheism when it comes into like intellectual forum, the whole argument used to be about like, oh, did the universe eternally exist? Now that was pretty, pretty much done away with in like the early 1900s, but some people still cling on to that. And I think it's important to point out that it really can't happen that way. If, if, if the energy is actually, usable energy is decreasing, entropy is always increasing, it's coming from a beginning point, logically speaking. Or it would be infinite regression into what, like neg negative numbers, and it just doesn't. I just wanted to, to say really quickly, with respect to that, just a quick correction, that a thousand years ago, atheists weren't talking about whether the universe had a beginning. Most of them thought it was eternal, because a lot of, in fact, back then, it was the theists. Um, like. Um, uh, Al-Ghazali, the Muslim who developed the Kalam cosmological argument that was further developed by William Lane Craig in the 70s, where the, was the argument that the universe had a beginning, that he philosophically got to using arguments from infinity and stuff like that. Uh, most people believed that the universe was eternal back then. So the, the atheists back then throughout history, what they would have been focusing mainly on would have been things like arguments from evil and other very philosophically based arguments like that. They weren't really interested in cosmology. I just wanted to make that quick correct. Any last thoughts uh, before we pass it over to the next question there, Austin? No, no. All right. I mean, uh, your question. Yet another question about information. Um, it seems that you believe that chemistry, physics, etc., all of that contains information within it innately. Is that an accurate characterization? Sure, yeah. Okay. Given that that seems to be the case, how do we tell the difference between chemistry and physics simply acting as they can within the universe that they can act in with us assigning information to it after the fact versus a mind assigning information to it from the very beginning? Um, the information requires a mind. I agree with you about that. But how can we tell which mind is putting it there, yours or God's? Mm, that's an interesting question. I'm not even sure I fully follow because like with DNA for example um, I mean if that information requires a mind I obviously didn't put it there now I do understand that sometimes you know we apply the uh, concept of information or different versions of that to you know describe the phenomena or whatever but um, I'm, I'm talking about the innate order so like something exists whether or not you acknowledge it exists right how we decide to use our information systems to describe it is independent of the fact that there's innately uh, information. And physics gets a little bit more nuanced if you want to talk about the information there. Um, I would say there is, but it's, it opens up a whole can of worms. But like biology is very straightforward. It's the genetic code. That's why I invoked that because it's just very clearly information. So uh, I don't know if I fully answered your question or understood it, but basically, uh, yeah, we, we apply information as in like that's how we describe things to different phenomena, but that would be independent of the fact that the information's there. And I think, yeah, like DNA is a perfect example to answer your question. Or you said chemistry 
right? But intrinsically, there is an innate informative system that we are now observing. How we choose to describe it or order it, um, you know, mathematically or with words doesn't really matter. Like it already exists independent of us, uh, which requires a mind, and that means a mind bigger than us. At least that's how it's. Too late to follow up. Uh, if well, I've, I, how much time do we have? We got 15 minutes, we got another two speakers. If you make it real quick. It sounds like you're saying that both are happening at the same time. Cool. But how do you tell the difference between a God putting the information there mm -hmm. and you finding things that are just happening and assigning information to them? Yeah, like I, with DNA, whether or not you choose to ascribe anything to it, it is a very meticulously specific, specifically ordered code. I don't have to go in there and call it DNA. I don't have to count it. I don't have to do any of that. It's just there. It's absolutely there, regardless of what I think about it. The actual meticulous order and the causal mechanisms of DNA and what it's able to accomplish, which is insane, and they always try to undermine it, junk DNA, wrong about that. Long story short is it was there independent of us, and yeah, they can both happen at the same time. How do I tell the difference? Well, because the natural order is just there. I observe it, tangibly observe it, and then I describe it with a separate additional information system. So like ours is additional. All right, your question. How's it going? What's it? How's it going, Leo? So I know in Leo's uh, ending statement, you kind of ran into like definitions and things like that. And I know that you're arguing atheism. Um, but kind of like what uh, Witsit was saying, you kind of ran into a lot of like, well, we don't know, we don't know, I don't know. Uh, and I know that that kind of is also associated with agnosticism. So I kind of, and I know Witsit also sort of ties natural law in with creationism. So I kind of want to know, at what point do you guys distinguish like naturalism versus creationism and like atheism versus agnosticism so kind of just go into that well for me for me i know this is not true of all atheists but for me as an atheist i take my atheism to be the belief that gods do not exist and then i i would take agnosticism to be a suspension of judgment on the, the question of whether god exists you do not believe that god exists you do not believe that god does not exist You've suspended judgment. So that's how I would characterize the difference between those. And naturalism and creationism, I think the difference is very stark, where naturalism says this natural world that we inhabit, that, that's all that exists. There is nothing outside. There's no such thing for me outside of it or beyond it. Whereas creationism, creationism I do think is quite broad. There's young earth creationism, old earth creationism, evolutionary creationism, forms of intelligent design. But I think that the central theme is that some form of intelligent designer created either life or the life plus the universe. Usually, that's, that's the one I hear. And so that's how I would distinguish between both of those. And just one more thing. I say I don't know a lot because that's, that's my opinion. I don't know. I'm, I'm an atheist because I believe that there are no gods. But I have no problem saying that with respect to certain questions, say, about the origins of the universe, or maybe what natural laws are, I might be more agnostic with respect to those specific questions. All right. Your question. Um, science has been wrong more than it's been right through history, right? I mean, it just, but it progresses. Mm -hmm. So what in the past two or 300 years would be some good examples of um, taking your 
methodology where if we don't know, we can start to point towards the creator. Where has our where have we advanced in the past few hundred years by taking that stance versus taking a stance in science, which, well, we may prove certain theories wrong, but we don't just throw science out. Yeah, it's cool because I'm going to tie into the other guy's question too. So this is a typical, uh, this is a typical, I don't want to call it a tactic, but it, it is an approach that people use. They want to pin creationism versus science, right? Um, because then they can, tout, they can tout all these discoveries as if they're exclusive to not acknowledging a creator. Understanding how the world works, understanding the processes, then creating technology to utilize it, constantly pursuing a better understanding of it, using natural processes, natural laws, you know, scientific method, etc. None of that is exclusive to atheism in that any way. Question. Your question is, how, how much has acknowledged that a creator may do it if we don't know? How much has that done for us compared to not doing that? And I'm explaining that... No, that wasn't my question. Okay. My question was... Here, before you restate your question, question, let's get you in the microphone here. My question was, in the past two, three hundred years, what were some major advancements that took place because we decided to say God did this? And we didn't have any other explanation. We just said, must be God. That we don't make discoveries in science like that. So it's, it's like, a, that's my point. It is I'm not a asking about science. I'm asking about saying... <laughs> we don't know. It must be a creator. What advances has that given? Taking, taking the stance of it must be God, where have we benefited from that in the past two or three hundred years? It wouldn't be relevant to furthering understanding of the natural world. So I did specifically answer your question. It is a tactic to try to use all discoveries of the natural world as if it's some... I'm explaining to you, dude, you can acknowledge that there's a creator and still find all the discoveries. You're asking me, what, what if someone just says, oh, God must have done it and then tapped out, then what would that do for us? Nothing if they tapped out. It's your assumptive and tactic, assumption and tactic to pretend that they didn't have to tap out, which is absolutely ridiculous, which is what I started my whole thing with. I started with the quote that the first sip of natural scientists will have you an atheist, but at the bottom of the glass, God is waiting for you. Natural science is not exclusive to atheism. That's just a tactic. So people can say creationists are science deniers, and therefore we're correct. My answer to you is that's right. independent. Acknowledgement of some of these prerequirements of, of this place, acknowledgement of that being a creator, has, is independent of discovering how things work. Right? It, no, because... If hundreds of years ago, sorry, if you could put it in the mic real quick. Well, I'll have to say this is the last one. Okay. So hundreds of years ago, we would have said, well, God is causing this thing. And many people would have walked away from trying to understand it because it would be against God to try to dissect what that is. It could be with vaccines. It could be with advances, being able to put spaceships into space, being able to predict things. Had we just said, when did it ever benefit us to go, nah, it's, it's God. Even if you say he's a creator, God created the universe. If you believe that, what benefit is there to that? No, it, has, we just say we're going to stop. We're going to, so because we ended up with God, we're going to stop trying to figure it out because God is God. But see, that's what you're claiming because that's, yeah. you require that caricature for your position, but it isn't reality. Creationists don't just tap out of understanding the world because they know that there's a creator. That is just a tactic. And I just explained that multiple times. Why would someone not be able to send a rocket into space, which they can't anyway? 
Why would they not be able to do that, right? Because they thought there was a creator. That makes no sense. In fact, what you would actually have motivation to better and further understand the world that was created because it just consistently gives glory to the fact there's an intelligent agent, which is what the quote means that I started my presentation with at the bottom of the glass, you find God. So I don't find any exclusivity in it. The, the, this idea that people just used to be like stupid because they were cre creationists, but now all of a sudden the atheism has saved the world is a joke. Almost every major advancement was by a creationist. Can I say some, just one really quick thing? Can I? Okay. Steel man, your question, if I may, and then maybe provide my own response. It sounded like to me you were asking something along the lines of, so we've got these, these sort of natural methodologies on one side that, where we've looked at things and said, you know, I don't know how this works. Let me look at this, explain it, and see what I can do. And then we have been wrong, but we continue to make progress and we get it right. Are there any, like methodological naturalism, are there any creationist specifically methodologies where we start with, Okay, God is causing this. Let's explain how God is causing this to happen. Is it, was that was the question? Yeah. So what I would say is, I think for me, this is an argument for naturalism, is that as we have progressed technologically and scientifically, we have only really gotten explanations for things through understanding the natural world and using natural methodologies to understand the world. We've, we've never overturned a scientific explanation with something that's supernatural. And I think that there's a reason for that. So that's how I would answer your question. So that was your question. You got a couple seconds to close okay, if you'd yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you keep on, it's just a false dichotomy to try to say, oh, that we study the natural world or we are creationists. It's just a tactic. It's a tactic to basically say the other people deny science. That's not reality. Yes, studying the natural world is very beneficial. Naturalism as a philosophy is that nothing exists outside of that. And in fact, actually, the prerequisite to even applying the scientific method or anything is actually using your mind. Ironically, you have to have philosophical parameters to interpret the world before you do anything to understand it. So naturally, studying the world or studying the natural world is not exclusive to not or to atheism or excluded exclusive of uh, a creationist. That's just a non sequitur, and I explained that many times. All right, your question. Yeah. So it sounded like your response to my previous question with the snowflakes and nylonase was that that information, that new information in those two examples was contingent upon previous information and that the total information content before and after has not increased or decreased. That sounded like you, what you were saying. So I would like to ask, how can you show that it's any different for like a human intelligence, something that's created by a human intelligence is also contingent upon previous information. And so it sounds like your argument is like, the total information content of the universe is not changing. So how can it be that a human mind can create new information? Because the same response you gave to my previous examples also applies to any human creations. Does it though? Because when someone first created like a language. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so people, people create new inform, information systems, but so I don't understand when you brought up that somehow you can have information without intelligent agency because this new information was created. I said, yeah, but it's taking existing information. And the real question as it pertains to this is you said all the information in the universe. What is the intelligent agency behind the information in the first place that is accessible or replicatable or you can manipulate it? And then I explained that naturalism actually says that everything is confined to matter and energy. Information is distinctly different than matter and energy. Therefore, Naturalism isn't feasible as a philosophy, which is why the information is basically a death blow to the idea of naturalism, specifically as a philosophy. Right. So, okay. one follow-up. 
Yeah, I don't think that you've explained how a human mind can create information that's not contingent upon previous information. Like, how does a human mind create new information? That's what you allege, that intelligence creates new information. So how does that happen, given that it's still just contingent upon previous information? That's how you tried to shut down the two examples I provided. But no, okay, I understand what you're saying is that basically for, for a human to create information, it's always drawing off of or accessing existing information or how we understand the world. Okay, that's right, because there's only one all-powerful mind. My point is that the mind is actually uh, creative or able to reorganize it or create informative systems or even frameworks of interpretation. This all requires intention. Frameworks of interpretation themselves require intention. So it's the, the even the, re, uh, the actual manipulation of information systems, which I would say, so you say languages and all these different things are different things that men made up per se, right? So you can say, oh, but we, we knew that we could move our mouth. Like, okay, well, we created an information system, right? That required specific intent. Information systems don't just randomly and chaotically order. And it's all drawing off information. I agree with that. But that kind of kicks the can back down the road to the question, which is like, well, where did the initial information come from? So as far as we can see, manipulation and organization um, requires intention, like the specific creation of information. I can't conceive of any logical uh, alternative. I've never heard one. All right. Last question here, and then we're going to uh, take a break for lunch. Yeah, I, I, don't you think it's a dishonest tactic to bring up like the problems we have with consciousness to try to refute naturalism over creationism when all worldviews have to presuppose certain things like logic, they exist, the external world exists, and then we try to discover what the ontology of that universe is, that world is, the reality is. You could be a solipsist. It could be eternally, internally consistent. So I think it's sort of dishonest. You sort of make a comment about that. So I'd like to... Your yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I didn't in any way make that as a primary argument or anything, but I do find it funny that um, th this is obviously, it's very easy to understand what the atheist will say. It's just a random chemical imbalances or, oh, it's just synopsis in the brain. It's all limited to material and energy, right? So there is nothing that exists outside of that confinement. That's the definition of naturalism as a philosophy. That's the actual realism and naturalism as a philosophy is that everything can be confined to the material existence in and of itself, and everything is derived from that. Um, so it's not that I think, no, I don't think it's dishonest. We have different interpretations of it. I think that that is existent in a metaphysical, like void of that physical limitation. It's metaphysical, where the atheist would say it's not. So it's not actually that it's dishonest. It's that I, we have a different interpretation of the mind, consciousness, etc. Whereas the atheist just vehemently rejects the inevitability that those are very real things. And they say that they're simply conceptual abstractions. No, they're very real. They're very real. So that's a disagreement. I wouldn't say that it's dishonest. I think the atheist would concede that if the metaphysical exists, then naturalism is incorrect, right? Because naturalism says nothing exists outside of the material world. That's what naturalism as a philosophy is. So Acknowledgement of the metaphysical is a big problem for the atheist. So no, it's not dishonest. <laughs> Naturalism is a metaphysical thesis. That's all I wanted to. I agree. It's, that's that's why it's intrinsically contradictory, and and as is empiricism. Empiricism is also intrinsically contradictory, as it is a philosophy. But basically, the philosophy states that everything is uh, everything that is limited to what can be tested or sensed. Right. Same thing with this naturalism. You have to actually use a metaphysical starting point to even claim that that's your belief system. Also, what you said about consciousness. I'm an atheist, and I don't believe that. But you yeah. guys can find out what I believe about consciousness and the soul today at 3 p.m. So. 
right, before we do a round of applause for our speakers getting in the hot seat, do want to give a quick plug. As you can see on the bottom left of the screen up here, it says Manifold. The reason is Manifold has helped us put this conference on. They've given us a ton of support to help keep prices for the tickets affordable. So we do want to plug them as it's a great site. It's one that I actually use myself. So basically, it's a play money prediction market. So if you've ever heard, for example, of predict it, it's like that. You can predict anything, but it's play money, so you don't have to worry about losing your own real money. And it's a blast. Check out that link in the description box. And I want to give our speakers a huge round of applause. Thank you so much, gentlemen. It's been a true pleasure. We'll break for lunch, which is solo, independent, wherever you want to go, and then we'll be back in an hour with the next debate. Thanks, folks. Can I take the mic off? Yeah. Oh. No, you're stuck. How's it going, bro? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. <laughs>